Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This series on, uh, that we'll be using for the beginning of this year is about called to pray. Uh, prayer, it really needs to be the foundation of everything that we do. Uh, I love the, the rhythm of prayer that the daily texts Serve, uh, suggest, which actually comes from Martin Luther's way of praying through Scripture, uh, that he would ask four questions every time he read Scripture as part of his prayer life. He would say, what in this verse makes me thankful? What in this verse leads me to repent, to turn back? What in this verse leads me to intercede, to ask for what I need and what the world around me needs? And for, finally, what purpose does this verse give to me uh, for my life? Last weekend, Pastor Andrew had us write words of thanks on these leaves, uh, these post-it note leaves, and then we turned that into this beautiful tree of gratitude out in the narthex, uh, and there's still room to add more leaves, so uh, anytime, you know, after worship or whenever you're here during the week, feel free to write down more things that you're thankful for and put them up. Today, we'll look at the second part, at repent. What repentance is what John the Baptist and Jesus had as the center of their message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. To repent, uh, in, in the Hebrew word, it, it simply means to turn around to realize that you're going the wrong way and that you need to turn back to God. Um, and it also means turning back toward the people that you have hurt as well. Um, it's humbly asking for God's mercy, forgiveness, and grace. So, let's begin this morning with prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for every gift you provide, especially the gifts of repentance and forgiveness. We need the grace and mercy that your Holy Spirit gives, and we need to show grace and mercy to one another. Help us recognize your gifts in our lives, and help us grow in showing love toward one another. Make us into people who radiate your mercy and grace to everyone around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mercy and grace. Uh, they're not just two names. <laughs> you ever known somebody named Mercy? <laughs> I have. Uh, they're vital things in our lives, gifts from God. Back in November, uh, we got to take our kids to a Newsboys United concert in Ames. Uh, Cassidy and Travis knew some of their more recent songs from the radio, and I have been a Newsboys fan since their early days when I was in college. For this tour, they brought back two of the founding members of the band, including Peter Furler, who is a bald guy from Australia, who has written most of their songs over the years. One of, their favorite, one of my favorite older songs of theirs is called Real Good Thing which has these lines. When we don't get what we deserve, that's a real good thing. When we get what we don't deserve, that's a real good thing. 
Not getting what we deserve is mercy. God taking the hook out of our mouths, forgiving our sin, giving us a new start through Jesus Christ. Getting what we don't deserve, that's grace. Completely unearned favor from God. You can really think of mercy and grace as two sides of the same coin. Now that they are gifts from God that we are to share with each other and with the world. King David began, began Psalm 51 with these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The occasion for this psalm was after the prophet Nathan had confronted David about how he had arranged to have his general Uriah killed in battle to cover up the fact that Uriah's wife Bathsheba was pregnant with David's child. It kind of sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? Now, it can't have been easy for Nathan to confront the king about what he had done. Uh, in fact, it, in, in the Bible tells us it took several months for, for Nathan to work up the courage <laughs> to talk to David about this. Uh, but finally, he came up with a way of talking to him. He told him this story about a poor man and a rich man uh, you can read all about it in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And by the end of the story, David was so angry with the rich man for what he had done that he said, this man deserves to die. He should pay back four times what he took from the poor man. And David said, you are that man. You're the one. David ended up pointing the finger right back at himself. And David was devastated. He was undone. He wrote Psalm 51 as a prayer of confession. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. When we confess our sins, we are fessing up to what we have said and done. We're admitting the truth that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, even if it's something as small as stealing a candy bar from the kid uh, across from you at the lunch table, we need a new start and a new heart. David prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me this joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When you are feeling overwhelmed with guilt and shame over what you've done or who you've become, you can pray Psalm 51. You can use that as your own prayer to come before God and to lay it all at his feet, and to ask for forgiveness. God calls us to live as forgiven and forgiving 
people. We are to share the forgiveness that we have received. At a conference that I went to last year in Nashville, I got to hear a reading of a new play based on The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. When Germany occupied the Netherlands in 1940, the Ten Boom family hid Jews and resistors from the Nazis in a secret room that they had installed in their house. The title of the book and the play refers both to the secret room and also to Psalm 119, which says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Eventually, the Ten Boon family were reported and arrested and sent to prison camps. However, the people that day who were hidden in their house went undetected and made it to safety. Corey and her sister, Betsy, were able to sneak a Bible into the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany, where they buoyed the spirits of the women in their barracks by reading God's word, telling them about Jesus, and praying together. In the misery and hard labor of the camp, Corey struggled with her faith. But Betsy showed this universal love for both the prisoners and the Nazis. She said, if the Germans can learn such hate, think of how they could learn to love. Betsy died at Ravensbrück, but Corey was released by a mistake just a week before all the women her age at the camp were sent to the gas chambers. After the war, she dedicated her life to sharing Christ with others spreading a message of forgiveness, hope, and love. She even met with and forgave two Germans who had had worked at Ravensbrück, one of whom who had been particularly cruel to Betsy. She was able to give them a new start by offering them forgiveness. Corey learned that forgiveness is never fair. It is always scandalous. You and I will probably never experience anything as horrific as what Corey and Betsy did. But we have opportunities to receive and to give forgiveness every day. How often each day does someone do something or say something that hurts you, even though you didn't intend it? How often do you do or say something that hurts someone else? In those moments, you have a choice to make. Do you humble yourself, turn back, and say that you're sorry? Do you forgive, or do you hold on to the hurt? Jesus taught us to pray, Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. If you think about it, that two-letter word, as, is one of the most difficult things to pray. We're asking God to forgive us, 
the same way that we forgive others. Oh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to hold on to a grudge. <laughs> Isn't that what we tend to do? We hang on to the hurt that someone else has caused us, and, and then we hold it over our heads. We cling to our self-righteous anger, and we hold those sins over other people's lives like a 500-pound anvil over their heads. We conveniently fail to notice the mountain that is suspended over our heads. Jesus went on right after teaching his disciples to pray. He went on to say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When Martin Luther was trying to unpack the Lord's Prayer, to, to teach parents how to teach the basics of the faith to their kids in the small catechism, he said this about this part of the Lord's Prayer. We ask in this prayer that our Heavenly Father would not regard our sins or deny these petitions on their account, for we are worthy of nothing for which we ask, nor have we earned it. Instead, we ask that God would give us all things by grace, for we sin daily and indeed earn only punishment. So, on the other hand, we too truly want to forgive heartily and do good gladly to those who sin against us. The Greek word for sin means to miss the mark. Imagine that all of you have a bow in your hand. Yeah, Hold it out in front of you. Pull back an arrow with your right hand and hold it there for a second. Now, if our target is loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, where do our arrows typically go? <laughs> we typically miss the mark a lot. You know, they end up in the organ pipes, in the baptism font, in the pew in front of you, or maybe they hit the choir. <laughs> we miss the mark all the time in what God calls us to do. As Luther said, we sin daily by what we say and do and by what we don't say and do. Now, the Greek word for forgive means to send away. God takes away all of our arrows that have missed the mark, all the ones that have gone wide or fallen short. He takes them away, makes them disappear, and instead, he offers us a whole new sheaf of arrows. He gives us a fresh start every time that we turn back to him. No wonder Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness and to practice forgiveness. When you forgive someone, you set that person free. It can be the start of reconciliation between you if the person repents and turns back. Forgiveness also brings healing and peace to the person who forgives. It gets rid of the bitterness, the anger, the resentment that we hold on to. 
Now, forgiveness is costly. You have to let go of your desire for revenge and for fairness. Your just desire, your, your incredible, insatiable desire to even the score. But we have to remember that God's forgiveness is so much greater than ours. If he evened the score, none of us could stand. God's forgiveness cost him everything. It cost Jesus his life. We all fall short of what God desires for us and how Jesus wants us to live. Praise God that his forgiveness is much greater than ours. Paul wrote to Titus, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Did you notice those two words again? Mercy and grace. Two sides of the same coin. Not getting what we deserve and getting what we don't deserve. May God's love and kindness give you a new start and a new heart. May you be saved, washed, made new, reconciled to God. And may we become more and more a forgiven and forgiving people of prayer who pour out God's love to the world around us. Amen.